Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I can't wait to get this week started. I'm excited about the week as we enter Holy Week with Easter Sunday just around the corner. You know, I always like to start uh, my Monday with Patrick, who is uh, relaxing, fun, and slightly informative. Patrick is a friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Patrick, welcome. Slightly. So I've moved up. That's nice. (laughs) You have moved up. I have moved up. I mean, it's uh, it's very windy here, by the way. I don't know what it's like up there, but uh, we have fake palm trees in the backyard, and they've blown over. Nice. It is a very lovely spring day here in the Twin Cities. And it I'm is. not saying you made a mistake leaving Los Angeles because you lived there for 20-some years, but you yeah. should have stayed there and worked as a lifeguard. I saw an article that said the top-paid L.A. lifeguards earn up to $392,000. And what about one that couldn't swim? Probably a little bit less. <laughs> he makes one hundred seventy-five thousand. Yeah, but still, he can. So, he yells for help. Well, you find a way to you, you squeak on by. You might have to make some sacrifices in life, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you just go. Hey, you up there making three ninety-two? <laughs> I would just. I would be the spotter. That would be my job. I would be the lifeguard spotter, saying, "Seems to be some trouble over here." Yeah, I'll be at the. I'll be at the snack stand. They have a a tuna wrap that's really delicious. Oh yeah. That seems like a lot of money when the president of the United States makes 400000 and yet Dr. Fauci makes 417000 I think he's the richest paid government employee. I, so I had no idea. I was always under the impression, you know, that kids went and became lifeguards just to, you know, earn a couple of bucks for college. Yeah, in the, get a in great summertime. Uh, and then, you know, then they could... It was like a a place to meet somebody uh, mm-hmm. that had shared interests, you know, lifeguarding. I suppose. I had no idea it could be so lucrative. Um, so it's that old TV show Baywatch. They were in it for the money, is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, in LA County, seven lifeguards made more than three hundred thousand dollars, and eighty-two lifeguards had total earnings that exceed two hundred thousand. It is kind of an, a startling number because. Um, I mean, it, you're saving lives, so it's an important job for sure. But yeah. it does seem like that's a pretty, pretty good job. But that's brain surgeon money, isn't it? I think it is. It, it, it seems to me that, you know, if you were to say, all right, of these jobs on this list, which one makes four hundred about $400,000 a year? And you'd say brain surgeon? Yeah. Uh, you know, you might uh, throw, oh, what would be another clever one? Uh, you know, what? Brain surgeon. Let's yeah. just go with my, brain surgeon for option number two. My car mechanic. What else? Yeah, my my car mechanic, uh, and he makes half of that off of me. <laughs> and and uh, then you'd put lifeguard down there at the bottom, yeah. and people would say, "Oh, come on, well, this is kind of silly lifeguard." Yeah. And then you would say, "Actually, the lifeguard has out earned all of them." <laughs> so that's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's a busy. Uh, it's a busy. I'm not a very good swimmer. I know. I I'm not either. I plus I just don't like the sun that much. I mean, I like the sun, but I'm kind of an avid indoorsman. You're, yeah, you're, as people that haven't seen your photo, and it's hard to get a good photo of you, because you're almost clear. (laughs) 
You're very uh, light, very light skinned. Yes. And, very pale. Uh, and you're like me. You're. you're a, I'm a sinker. I sink. Mm-hmm. You know, I get in the water, and it is everything I've got just to stay afloat. Even in you know one of those little wading pools, I get a little, just a little bit nervous. On the off chance I might sink to the bottom of that thing. Yeah. And, and I've been, I've been doing these new cardio workouts where I can feel the remaining fat on my body is kind of I feel it melting off. Uh, it's it's kind of melting from the top of my body and relocating right toward the middle. <laughs> and I believe it's set a permanent residence there. But oh. even with that flotation device, I sink. I would be a terrible lifeguard. Yeah. I still wear the water wings. Yes. I once, uh, you know, saw some people as a, as a kid in a swimming pool. They were taking a life preserver and putting it around their feet, and they were swimming like flipper. Ooh. And it was it was really cool. And I said, I, I absolutely must try this. And I grabbed it, and then I jumped into the pool and swiftly was held upside down and could not get back up. <laughs> oh, that's I'm so glad you're here to tell that story. Oh, yeah. Luckily, somebody walked by, and I was actually able to grab them and pull myself up. And nobody believed this story of, I said, I, I nearly drowned there, and uh, I was trying to be a dolphin. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a big difference between you and a dolphin, just so you know. Yeah, well, I found out pretty quickly, and luckily for me at a very young age, and I've yet to try. In fact, in 21 years of living in Los Angeles, you know, I never went into the ocean once there. Really? I, I I prefer the ocean in Florida where it's, A, a little bit warmer, and B, on the Gulf side, you can get up to, oh, I'd say about neck deep. And you can look down and say, I really should trim my toenails. <laughs> I, I need it that clear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have to see. Yeah. My motto is like with ocean to fish and other things in the ocean, I don't go into your house, you don't come into mine. Yeah. It's a simple I, I relationship. I once put on like a, a snorkeling mask and was alarmed at the number of fish that were just sort of nibbling on me unbeknownst to me. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever done that? You, you say, yeah, I have. Oh, my. Yeah. They are having a field day. Yeah. I, I didn't even know you were there. You guys are so quiet. Right. Yeah. It was so pretty it, fright. it's a very busy week here in Minneapolis. We've got the start of the Derek Chauvin trial. And I don't know, this anonymous jury is, I, I suppose it's essential because the people cannot see who the people on the jury are it, because it would be too potentially damaging for them, their reputations, their personal safety. This thing is uh, uh-huh. it's quite a, a trial, amazing trial. What, what, would, what would it take you to, you would want that kind of anonymity, wouldn't oh, you? Oh, yeah, you bet I would. At least I, I would I would tell them, and if you've ever tried to get out of jury duty, it's not easy to do. Um, it's it's uh, it's quite the science. Uh, but um, I would say I you know I can't be objective unless I know I'm anonymous, because I I, I want to give every you know I want to be able to weigh evidence. I want to be as fair as possible. And I if if I'm going to be open minded and say, hey you know I have to be willing to either convict a man or not or acquit him. Um, I, I, with the kind of pressure that's on me, and I would imagine on a jury for of this uh, uh, magnitude, the, the pressure to convict is going to be intense. Yes. So my yeah. my thought is is that we continue to pray for this. We pray for uh, a fair trial. We pray for uh, the evidence to come out that is going to render the the verdict by the jury, and that the city will be uh, safe. As a result, in cities across the country, I mean, this thing could be uh, produce a lot of wildness. 
No, I think we we saw just when the initial George Floyd incident happened that there were so many cities. You said, you know, why are these cities erupting? And I, you know, I, I think on top of the fact that uh, you know people were upset about what had happened to him, you had uh, a lot of people saying, you know, I've been kind of locked up for COVID, and this seems to be as good a reason as any to get out. So uh, it, it's people were out in the streets. I mm-hmm. saw people going. And they said, I wasn't really protesting. I was just getting out. Yeah. And we're supposed to yeah. follow the science, but we all know science can make a lot of mistakes. And if science disagrees and science is right, uh, what are we to follow? Then what? I, I often wonder this. Yeah. And th- as you know, this has been some of my concern with Dr. Fauci. Is I said, you know, when things change, and I'm okay with that because I understand that's how science works. Uh, isn't it fun just to throw the word science in? You know, mm-hmm. I th- Bill, I think you owe me a hundred dollars. I'm just following the science. <laughs> just following. And when you say the word science, it adds credibility. I guess I do because you're following the science yeah. and I know you're a science guy. But, you know, when he's made mistakes, he seems to gloss over them and, and doesn't say, you know what? I, I Before I said this and I now have new information, I was wrong. And, and he does tend to turn a little bit into Fonzie mm-hmm. with the I was wrong. We can't say it. Can't say it. And. I, I would say, gosh, people understand science well enough to know that you can come forward and say, this is what we used to think. And this is what we now know because we're gathering information all the time. Uh, it, but I, it seems like science these days, they say, nope, we've decided it's cut and dried. It's, you know, it's the be all end all. And we're never going back on that. And uh, I, don't you end up eating those words? Yep. Aren't those sure the do. things that get you? Yep. Um, all right, Patrick, right before we go to the break, I want a feel-good story to get this Monday in, in a good mood. This lovely, adorable stray dog in North Carolina. Oh, oh. this has stolen my heart. I know yours, too. Uh, he tried to break into a dollar store four or five yeah. times. To it steal... was one of the good dollar stores, by the way. Yeah, one, the <laughs> one of the good ones. To steal this <laughs> little purple unicorn. It was a stray dog. And then they called animal yeah. control. Animal control came over. And all this dog wanted was this purple unicorn. So the dog handler bought it for him. Yeah. And yeah. Then, it, it's, it's, the store could have probably, you know, taken care of their dog problem just saying, is this what you want? Because <laughs> it's a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I love that it you know, took a, uh, an animal control person to come and say, has anybody got a buck? I got a dollar. One dollar. Yeah. It's one dollar for the unicorn problem and the problem solved. goes away. <laughs> yeah. But now the stray dog is seen uh, at the Animal uh, Humane Society, and he's got his little purple uh, unicorn, and he's been, uh, you know, people lined up to adopt him. Yeah, I think it's, they saw, he's a large dog, and I don't, he didn't look menacing or anything, but he's, you know, sometimes people are afraid to get a large dog, but you saw him with this cute little purple unicorn. Oh, so adorable. I I, I think the unicorn sealed the deal for him. (laughs) And I, I think that he's that smart of a dog. He said, you know what? Nobody's adopted me. Yeah. But if I just had a little purple unicorn, that yeah. I'm a straight mutt that it. everyone's avoiding. All I need yeah. is a purple unicorn. You give me a purple They'll unicorn, I'll be lining I up to adopt I hear me. They bring you good luck. Right. I hear they bring you good luck. <laughs> All right, and Patrick. After a short break, we'll talk some more. Patrick Albany is my friend, my colleague, uh, great state of Iowa. We'll be right back.
I could while away the hours Conferring with the flowers Consulting with the rain And my head I'd be scratching While my thoughts were busy hatching If I only had a brain And back with Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague. Patrick, uh, what about Easter services at your church? They are having some. Uh, you have to reserve a spot. Okay. Um, but uh, they're they're having them, and uh, we were watching online yesterday. Uh, only about a hand, there was still just a handful of people in um, the worship center, so it, it's it's getting there. But I think as as more and more people get the vaccine and feel comfortable with getting out, uh, I, I think we'll start to see. I'm sure Easter Sunday will they'll fill to whatever capacity is. I think it's 25 percent they're limited to. Mm-hmm. Still a big group. And do you have your reservation yet? I need to ask. Uh, we have not made a reservation okay. yet because um, we're still waiting to see, and we probably won't know until midnight Saturday, what my mother-in-law has planned. Okay. <laughs> okay. She, she can be a, a little bit uh, uh, slow to figure out the, the plan. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always a struggle because my wife... We just lost him. That's the technology. I love technology because it always gives us a chance to make sure we're on our toes. Now, I don't know if he's going to come back, if he's even aware that he's gone off the air. That's what I (laughs) love about you, Patrick. If you can hear me, you're not on. So uh, Patrick Albanese is my guest, and we are just talking as we are all planning our Easter services. Does your church require you to make a reservation? Can you go and what percentage of the... um, capacity are they allowing at your church? Is it 25%? Is it 50%? Uh, 75%? I don't know if the governor is going to make any announcements in Minneapolis this week. Uh, I think you're back. I'm back. Oh, hello. Yeah. I, and, and I know I didn't push any buttons. Yeah, that's what they all say. The dog's Just jumping so you on know. my yeah, Yes, it's the dog's fault for sure. But it Reservation. did, it did yes. prompt yeah. the question. I asked listeners if if they attend a church where there is a capacity ceiling. And what is, is it 25%, 50%? Curious. I mean, what are you comfortable with? Me personally, uh, I'm comfortable with, uh, you know, three feet next to the person next to me. Three feet's plenty. And those are family members. No, they can be anybody. <laughs> they can be anybody. Yeah. Okay. So you're open to, uh, uh mixing with people again. Of yeah, course I, I, I be, am. I, I don't, I'm not concerned. Yeah, I you know I think you and I both we had an experience recently of uh, of doing a performance and a socially distanced performance and mm-hmm. uh, people seemed willing to come out. You know I I think it's I think we're getting to that a place where people are willing to come out and Easter Sunday seems like you know if if you were going to go out for anything what a what a great thing to go out and how often do you get to go to an Easter Sunday uh, service where you can find a parking spot? <laughs> you know, this, Isn't that the truth? Yeah, it's 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 pretty tempting, you know. He's like, hang on a second. Not only parking spot, I'm going to park up front. I'm going to take the pastor's spot. I think that's what I do. <laughs> but but you go, I mean, you, you go to a very large church. I mean, you will have upwards of eight to ten thousand people at an Easter service. Yeah, and then they'll do a lot. Of, they'll do a lot of uh, you know. In the past, they've you know had to do eight or nine or ten services. I, I don't know how uh, the pastor makes it through that. Uh, it's it's tough. Uh, same with the Christmas services. And one year, like for Christmas, they said let's go rent an arena 
and see if we can get this down to three services. And when they rented an arena that sat, I think it was 15,000, 20,000, and packed it for three, maybe it was four services instead of having to do 10. And uh, they quickly nixed that idea because they said this is even harder than staying home and doing, uh, you know, a 10 services. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's always it's always a, a tough juggle. But uh, with the pandemic, the, the I recall last year for Easter, I think the service reached more people than it did in any previous year. Wow. I think that God's was the at case. Work. God's at work in, in yeah. whatever. He can zoom. He knows how yeah, to zoom. He can handle just about anything. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I also, yeah. uh, if I take a, a nice uh, deep breath of spring air, I smell baseball, which is uh, starting on Thursday for me with the Minnesota Twins, their first uh, their first away game. See, so now you have professional. Uh, I, I live in Des Moines. We don't have professional teams. What we have is a central location where you can be a Cub fan, a Twin fan, a Royal fan, a that's, Cardinal fan. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah, and and uh, you don't. Nobody gets into fights over it because they understand <laughs> that you know you're just you're, well. We're here, and we don't really have a team, but we do have the Iowa Cub farm team. And of course, growing up, I was a, a Chicago Cub fan, and my dad was an accountant, and a couple Chicago Cub baseball players were some of his clients, and so we would occasionally get some tickets to the games, and they would always be like over the dugout. It was it was cool, and you know when you're a kid and you love baseball having that kind of experience, uh, I think you're just forever hooked on baseball. It's you, a, you can't shake. Yeah, it's it's such a, it seems to be such a civil sport. I mean, a guy gets a base hit and he runs to first base and kind of chit-chats with the first baseman. I mean, there's this niceness and professional civility that's going on. And, you know, after a full day of work, you open up your TV and there is this beautiful ballpark and kind of oh. a relaxing way to spend a, a part of an evening. I usually don't watch the whole game, but I do like watching some of it. I, I do too. And I have, have you ever gotten to throw out a first pitch? I never have. So I got to do that with the, the, the uh, farm team here when triple espresso was in town and they said, we really like these guys. Why don't we have them throw out the first pitch? I don't, I don't know who arranged it. And they sent two of us, me and uh, John. And uh, so I have about a week notice and I go to the gym and I find a tennis court and a wall and I grab a bucket of tennis balls and I draw a strike zone on the wall <laughs> and I practice and I practice and? and I probably put a couple of days of practice in and uh, I got up to the mound and I throw a perfect strike. Really? And I think that thing, oh, I think it went well over 40 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> And then John, who, you know, just thought, hey, you know, how hard could it be to throw a baseball? Yeah. He did a little dribbler that kind of, you know, hit the ground a couple of times right after it left the mound. And uh, I so I, I had a moment where I looked like a, a real hero. And uh, I, I must confess, when people said, I, you're a natural, I said, I can imagine how good I'd be if I had practiced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd have been fudging it just a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw a friend of me, a friend of mine passed on this uh, statistic on uh, 30 days of prayer for Muslims, and he sent a couple of screenshots, and there's the largest number in the history of Muslims coming to Christ in the last 30 years. And yet, yeah, and yet I see that a new poll indicates that American church membership has fallen below the majority 
uh, for the first time. So it's just under 50%. It's kind of a sharp drop. I think, yes, but then you go into churches and you see that uh, there are quite a few of them that are packed. So I don't know, are people moving? Are they, I think people are choosing not to become a member of the church, but they go. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's, yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're not, you're not on the mailing list. Yeah. I'm, Um, I'm so thrilled to hear that so many Muslims are coming to faith in Christ. I I think it's, I think anybody coming to faith in Christ is a win. I'm a huge fan of it. And, so it's it's always good to see it. And, and, you know, the thing I've never understood with people where they sometimes denigrate Christians, I said, have you ever seen a more welcoming environment? Go into a church, and when you see the mix that's in, you know, some of the modern churches and the people that have embraced Christ and then the way, the way that they embrace each other, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it doesn't get any better than that. That's just a thing of beauty to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Patrick, we've just got a couple of seconds left here, a couple of minutes actually, but we're uh, we've done a kindness initiative this month here at Faith Radio and do you can you think of something you've done this month this is putting you on the spot that would be in the kindness category um i mean you do a lot of, you do a lot of nice things all the time so i mean you're you're always trying to do something nice for somebody but uh does anything pop into your into your mind well, we, of course, we have a lot of family members that are getting older, and so it's you get the the phone calls. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if unplugging a whole bunch of drains for a <laughs> bunch of women in their 80s. Uh, that qualifies. It qualifies. I mean, I've been doing, you know, stuff like that. And uh, a thing I started doing a couple of weeks ago is the minute I hear my wife make a yawn in the morning— mm-hmm. I brew a cup of coffee and bring it to her bedside because I, I, I've learned her pattern so well. She yawns, and then about one minute later, you hear this big yawn, and then one minute later, she's up. And so I want to be walking in the room with a cup of coffee just as I – and she's, how do you do that? And I haven't let her know that I know her yawns. <laughs> I've come to learn her yawn pattern. Yeah. Is that is that something for somebody? That is extremely kind because you're pursuing her. You're anticipating her need and you're meeting it in advance. That's lovely, Patrick. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. Who doesn't want a cup of coffee after the first yawn? Oh, yeah. All in favor, well, raise their hands. Ooh, a lot of hands just went up. Okay. Patrick, have a great uh, week and happy Easter to you and your family. I'll chat with you uh, shortly next week. Shortly after the rising. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> yeah, well said. Yep. All right. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. After a short break, it'll be time for the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles is here. Very much looking forward to that. And then the next hour is going to be Dr. Mark Muska for Ask the Professor. Get your questions started right now. Send them over, 877-933-2484. Send the questions in advance, 877-933-2484. Be right back. Play at the bottom of the hour. Oh, we don't play it on Mondays because it's 
Monday afternoon mix. We got to start that segment with a cool jazz. Cool jazz. Cool jazz. Yes. Pastor David Miles is here. David is pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota, and also adjunct professor. Junk. Where do I put the CT yeah, in there? I think. How so. do you say that? Adjunct. Are, are you saying? Are you saying we add junk? <laughs> no, I'm not saying you add junk. Rosie, I'm saying I, you're did you hear him say we junk. add junk? I definitely heard him, oh. him say that. I think I, it needs an explanation. Yeah, do tell. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, but you're a professor here at Northwestern, so nice to have you in studio once again. Well, good to be here with you. Yeah, yeah. you so. asked me uh, during the break about my my weekend, and it was 16 hours finishing the job of wallpaper removal at my house and i have to tell you that is a labor of hate a labor of hate <laughs> seriously well i mean come on it's got you know and and you know the guy who put it up is probably listening because he's listens to the show so hi dave but uh I'll, it's a beautifully done job but it's 38 years old and there's a lot of glue and hot messy glue and then you peel some off and you can't get the piece you peeled off off your fingers so you have to shake it like six times so it's, you find it's a long day Go. i'm thinking you haven't David, you haven't ever cleaned wallpaper or stripped it because you would not say it's a labor of hate? Um, you know, <laughs> I have. You have? Yes. You know, the first time we, we lived here uh, in the cities, lived in in a, in a Rambler in Brooklyn Park, and yeah, I had the little spray thing. Didn't have the little iron, you know, iron thing, but I had to spray the stuff on it and rub the little teethy thing on it, and then I had to sit there and scrape it off, and... I'd like to say it was, praise God from whom all blessings flow. No, no, no. I was wondering, like, okay, like, who thought of wallpaper? Yeah. It's back in style now. It is back in style. Yeah, it's, HGTV it's, it's putting beautiful. it up everywhere. Well, wallpaper is beautiful. Can be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but if it's been on 38 years and it's your job to take it off and you got a steamer and the steamer's steam, you know, burning your hands and you've got glue everywhere. And was there more than one layer? Yes. Yeah. Oh, two. yeah. Yeah. That's so, it. So here you are in this house having to deal, uh, you know, with another person's wallpaper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's actually my wallpaper now. <laughs> yes. So you kind of inherited the past. Yes. Well, you know, Bill, it's kind of funny we, we kind of pick up because we talked a little bit about last week and you were doing some wallpapering and it was like, oh my, you know, you, you can see that you, you've been through the ringer on the wallpaper. Um, you know, but the, the beauty of it is, you know, when we speak about remodeling, um, it, it's it's such a beautiful thing. And, you know, last night caught part of um, the uh, chip and... Joanne. Thank you. Gaines. And, uh, you know, it's really neat because my wife and I one time, we, we were down in, in uh, Texas and we actually drove down... Me too. Uh, ...to their place and, like, you know, toured it and all that. And there's something that we love about remodeling of taking something that seemed old and and watching it be transformed into something new and you know that's part of the beauty of this this um, passover week you know um that not only did god want to transform us but he is remaking us by the power of his holy spirit to reflect and to be you know jesus and just like you're getting to see the multiple layers of wallpaper. Hi, Dave. Your name is Dave, too. Praying for you, buddy. Mm -hmm. But in the same way, um, sometimes we don't we don't realize how many layers of stuff is underneath our life, and or others don't realize how much layers of stuff are under our lives. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the gospel, because God always would call us to remember 
how much he's forgiven us. You know, the verse that we, one of the verses we love, Ephesians um, 4.32, be kind and tenderhearted, you know, forgiving one another just as God right. in Christ forgiving you. is forgiving you. And so it's like, you know, before you're inclined to say, oh, yeah, but this person did it. And God's like, um, you know, he's like, look at the many, many, you know, many layers and then cleansing us um, with his, his blood and transforming us. And so, you know, remodeling, um, God's doing that with his church. And he's, he's attempting and wanting to see that come to fruition to the glorious name. That's, that's the beauty of like Ephesians chapter um, 2. You know, it talks about you Gentiles. You guys were, you know, alienated from God, you know, strangers to the covenant, without hope, without God. And again, we know Gentiles, that's every one of us who aren't, you know, you know, Bet Israel or uh, Ethiopian or Ashkenazi, Separim or Mizraim ethnic Jews. The rest of us, you know, chocolate Norwegians, you know, <laughs> Polish, <laughs> you know, uh, Chinese, Mir- Mir- Burmese, um, you know, Brazilian, all of the rest of us are Gentiles. And we got folded into this. And the passage says that God took Jews and Gentiles, made one new creation, one new humanity. And, 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 and then he fills it. He wants to fill it with the presence of himself into a holy temple. So God's making us into something for the glory of his name. Powerful. That's just beautiful, David. It's cool. Yeah. It's the gospel. It is. You know, that gos- the gospel takes people um, and remakes them. And I, I think, <laughs> you know, we, getting in heaven and, and you're, maybe one of your thoughts will be like, that person's here? And a number of people walking up and like, you're here? <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, in John eleven five, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And when he's talking to Martha about that, I, I'm struck by he was turking, talking about the resurrection being him, the person. He's the resurrection. Yeah. And he's, that's what we're celebrating on Sunday. Well, we're ce- uh, celebrating that. But before we get, you know, to Sunday, you know, we have Friday. I know. And so, you know, when we look at like Mark chapter 11 and you have Jesus riding in, you know, triumphantly into Jerusalem, uh, and he tells him to go get a, to go get uh, a donkey and he rides the donkey. Uh, but at the end of the passage, it says, and those went before and those who followed after were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our fa- father, David, Hosanna in the highest. And, you know, Hosanna meant, you know, God save, you know. And so we have to understand the contextual context that these these individuals are in. I mean, like Book of Daniel, you get to see the various kingdoms that Daniel, you know, saw, you know, Babylonian, you know, Persian, Medo-Persian, Greek, then Roman. And so basically you have this group of people who are colonized. I mean, they're sitting underneath Roman rule. They have, they have military bases set up. You know, Pilate's the person in charge. We've looked at Herod before, who's not a good dude. And, uh, you know, so you have corruption in government. You have Jesus who comes, enters in, and within the ancient Near East, there is basically five or six strata of class. And Jesus actually takes up the second from the bottom, you know, and he chose, he chose to come in that way. And these guys have been living underneath this type of control for a long time. And they're taxed, like, ridiculously. Um, 
And there's just a lot of stuff that's going on in their world. And so when they see Jesus actually multiply the, the loaves in John 6, they said when they saw that he did that, they wanted to take him by force and make him king. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Little, little, little wonderful little piece that, that tells us, you know, when Jesus turns the loaves and fishes into bread, it notes that the little boy gave him barley loaves and barley was the grain of the poor. So then they saw him do that, and they're like, ah, Deuteronomy 18.5, this is the, the, the prophet that Moses spoke about. And they're like, dude, we're going to take over. And so we come into this week with the reality that they were waiting a King David, a, another victorious one to overthrow. So they had their expectations of the king. They had their expectations of Jesus, that he would fulfill this. And so... Um, you know, how's, how's the week then go, Bill? Yeah. You're very much in the professor mode right now. I don't want to do any talking. I just want to sit and learn. I am learning. I'm just sitting here just looking at him and learning. Oh my goodness. Come on. You guys have. No, no, no. But when you present this way, I do, I sit and just go, tell me more. It's really, really interesting. Well, so you have this, you have these people sitting on edge and, you know, there's this desire to to literally say, okay, you're here. And so, you know, you must, you must, you know, you're one of us, you must be for us. And how about you, how about you take over things? And so that led the disciples to ask, you know, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, can I sit on your left hand? You know, can I sit on your right hand? And he's like, you know, you don't know what you're, what you're asking, you know? And so, so that's why when they're in the garden and they come to arrest Jesus, Peter cuts off Malchus's ears, or sorry, ear, singular, mm-hmm. and Jesus tells him to stop. Now, one thing that that I love love God's word, and I love this particular um, passage. You see, when when Peter cuts off Malchus's ear, he he tells Peter stop, he, and then he says, "Do you not think that I could call?" 10 to 12 legion of angels from my father who could come and save me. And so you have to realize in a Roman legion is between 4,200 and 6,400 soldiers. You flip back to um, Isaiah 38, also mirrored in Second um, Kings 19, and it's when Sennacherib is attacking Jerusalem and Hezekiah prays and Sennacherib makes this big mistake his people tell him, you know, no one's ever saved you from this ruler's hand, and even your God can't do that. Womp, womp, shouldn't have did that. And what does the pastor say in 19, uh, 2 Kings 19.35? It says that, and on that night, one angel of the Lord killed 185,000 Assyrians. And the next morning, the people come out, and there's all these bodies. Now, my weird mind likes to do a little math, and so Bill... Jesus is saying, hey, guys, um, if I wanted to, I could call enough angels that they could have wiped out anywhere from 9.32 to 14.46 billion people. That's some firepower. And so Jesus could have went up to the Mount of Olives, had a nice tea, kicked back and said, game, set, match. And all of it would have been done. And yet with all of these things, he still went to the cross. And here's the thing. He went to the cross 
Because, like, when we look at the cross uh, this morning, Tammy and I were talking about whether to let one of our, our middle children, our, our second to youngest, if she's ready to watch the, the passion. Because we, we, we watched the passion of the Christ during that week. And, um, and we're like, you know, is, is this time, is she old enough, will, will this, this be good? And so we see the pain. But what we often miss is that Jesus had for eternity past never been separated from his father. So when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And why he's saying, Father, let this, this cup pass. Because, you know, that scourging scene that you see, you know, that's, I mean, like, seriously, that is brutal. Now, a crazy side that I found really crazy was, you know, in some of my study of, of, of some, some things for leadership for Christianity culture, we were looking at some things, is that even in part of our country's um, background, there was a period of time in the 1800s that certain million pounds of cotton was produced. So we, we view slavery morally, not economically. You know, at one time, Alabama, 95% of their economy was that, and over a third of our country's entire GDP was based off of this. But how do you go for a million, you know, getting people to produce a million pounds, several millions, two billions, which basically was sent throughout the world? Well, found out that they basically used torture methods, and they would tell people, look, you have to produce this amount of cotton this day, and if you don't, then you'd come home and you would be bit, beaten. Well, in the research, finding out that one of the things that they used on people to beat them in front of other people was a cat of nine tails. Mm. Wow. And I was like, holy snot. Like, I mean, like I'm having the passion of the Christ go through my mind and having someone come in and not meeting their quota, you know, which kind of squashes kind of the benevolent slave owner thing when you read their narratives and they talk about what happened. Uh, but, But it's just, but for that, that's not even the most because that's what we understand. But we're sinful. You have perfect Jesus, never separated from his father, never. And for our sake, like ridiculous amounts of love and mercy, he still goes. He still goes to that cross. And, um, you know, he, he does it so that even what we would perceive the worst of us when in the truth of the matter is that all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, all of us, that, that he did that and he died to bring glory to the Father through the mystery of salvation and we are incredible beneficiaries of it. Yeah, thank you, David, for that. That's really nice. I mean, it's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a short break. Uh, this is the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles. We'll be right back. Afternoon mix, Pastor David Miles, Rosie, 
and I. We're just so glad, David, that you're here. I was thinking of Malchus, that soldier who got his ear cut off. I sort of think of him as the soldier that ducked. I'm sure Peter was going for his head. Yeah. Peter wasn't trying to cut his ear off. (laughs) (laughs) I thought at first that the whole duck thing was part of the joke. No. No. I I think the soldier probably ducked, and he probably got the ear. Yeah, that's... You know, that's probably true. I mean, it... Who tries to cut off somebody's ear? Oh. (laughs) You know, there's actually... You know, when you think about some of the things that that are, you know, endemic in our... um, in our our country, and some of the things that we're actually trying to, to work with and address as the body of Christ, you know, and being a witness to the world... um, you know, some of some of the things is continually learning um, about stories, learning about history, learning about recorded things. You know, Bill, when you were talking earlier about you know um, the wallpaper thing, you yeah. Know, I mean, like it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a a realistic dynamic that we all have to deal, we always have to engage with, and it's a reality that you know. We look at things from the past to under things in the understand things in the present and envisioning, you know, mm-hmm. a different future, you know. And so, um, you know, on Sunday, Pastor Matthew St. John at New Hope Church, love this guy. Seriously, one of the hard things have been with COVID is that we're both huggers, you know, so trying to, you know, uh, maintain distance, you know, and just kind of, yeah, and all that. And and this whole thing has been rough. I had a, an older gentleman come to me on Sunday, and his, his eyes were just, like, welled with water. And he said, you know, PDM, he says, this has been really hard. He goes, even in my life group, he goes, I've seen a couple people, but there's people I haven't seen since last September. Wow. And, and uh, so, you know, um, so that, that that's, that's kind of, you know, kind of rough. And so, um, but just... Part of our, our stories and our and our history and our, our things like that, we, we, we need to realize that our past and our present looks to our future. Part of what we do when we look at communion is engaging the past. Like what we're doing today is we're having a conversation about the past. And we're talking about how it relates to us in the present. And for those of you today driving who... Maybe, you know, you listen to the show and you're kind of like, you know, I remember going to church with my grandmother and granddad, you know, and, you know, I'm not, you know, really like religious. Um, You know, we want to speak to you about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, that the God of the universe sent his son to die on a cross and die a death that you could not die, to raise from the dead, you know, uh, actually, let me see God works with sinful people get messed up like me, you know, so he came to live a life. He couldn't live, die a death that we could not die and raise from the dead to new life and to be able to give us that gift of new life. And, uh, he offers that to you and wants you not just to walk into Easter this uh, Sunday thinking about, you know, um, chocolate eggs and rabbits and things like that, though chocolate is really good, but he wants you to think of something more sweet that the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And he wants you to know him personally. And that comes just where you are right now, saying, you know what, Lord? Um, I admit that I'm a sinner. I know my life's not right. 
and, uh, and I confess that to you. And um, I believe that you sent your son to die for me, not just dying across which he did, but that it's also personal for you. And I want to invite you right now, you know, to come into my life, to change me and to transform me and make me into the kind of person that you want me to be, you know, and that that's kind of what we're getting, you know, into um, this week. I mean, like really Easter is like the Super Bowl of Christian faith. I mean, Mm -hmm. like it's like ridiculous. So, so that's one of the things that makes it so, you know, it makes it so incredible sweet. And it also makes it that we can, that we can engage stories. We can engage people in conversations. This week is a great week. If you've been thinking, I've been wanting to talk with fill in the blank person about Jesus. I mean, like this really is a, a wonderful week to do that. It's always a good time, but this week's a wonderful week to do it. And talking about how Jesus changes people, that he, he, he transforms, you know. And this lets us engage in a conversation, past, present, or future. So Sunday, Matthew asked us to set our alarms that for every noonday, for as long as it takes, that we as the people of God will pray. And we'll pray for here in Minneapolis, we've started the uh, Derek Chauvin trial today and uh, uh, they pick juries and things like that and and that's happening and um, there's a lot of tension around you know there's you know jurors secrecy um, concerns of that concerns for their life and it's kind of like why such you know high stakes but there's a long history in this you know Um, and some are praying and saying you know we're praying for the city we're praying you know for Officer Chauvin some are saying you know I'm praying for pray for the whole thing Pray for the, the Floyd family, yeah. you know, pray for, pray for what often happens, which is called double assassination. When people of color commit crimes, first they die and then they go through character assassination. And, you know, right now people are like, well, you know, he did this, he did this, he did this, he did this. And, you know, almost devoid of the gospel. And it's like, so that's often a narrative that says he deserved to die. And, you know, Bill, I don't know if if your sister had, you know, or if a family member had, you know, an opioid addiction and was down at the Galleria in Edina and someone put their knee on their neck for that long. I don't think you'd be like, well, that's okay because that's what happened. You know, we wouldn't want this to happen to anyone and we don't want people to be doing that. But you also need to be praying for the salvation of all the people involved. So, um, and so there, there's a need to cry out for that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've gotten text messages from various people praying for things, um, and some people just heartbroken because in their own Bible studies is some of their greatest grief. Cause they're like, I'm hearing other believers in Christ say things about people that it's like, there's no gospel then. And so... You know, so that's what we we want to. So you're the, the testimony probably that'll be against uh, Floyd will be here's the things with his life, which will be his life and plus 400 years of of narrative and history and people not being human and being criminal and criminal behavior and bad people and all those various things that minus some stuff 
in our history, I wouldn't be sitting with you guys today. So, so how do we step into conversations and point people to Jesus, but also have, you know, honest conversations? Because when we look at these, the week that, that Jesus wrote into, these various ten- tensions were going on too. And those people were saying, God, save us. God, save us. Um, and a lot of people are crying out, God, save us. Um, you know, so people are thinking it. So let's share about what salvation looks like. But then also salvation is going to be something that actually impacts and transforms culture. David, thank you for laying out the gospel so beautifully. You're welcome. I know there's someone who heard that and maybe a seed has been planted in their head. Maybe they pray to receive Jesus in this half hour. How powerful would that be? Super powerful and powerful if people just pray right now and say, Lord, lead me to someone to share with them your love and your transformation. David Miles, thank you so much. We'll take a little break. When we come back, hour two is just ahead with Ask the Professor. Dr. Mark Muska will be here with me for the whole hour, so send your questions over. Send them fast and furious to 877-933-2484, or if you like email, I'm good with that too, bill at myfaithradio.com. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.